Hello, and welcome back to His Simple Truths Podcast. My name is Greg Mullins. And I'm Tyson Thompson. Hello, everybody. Today's podcast is podcast number 26, and this is one we've been excited to be able to roll out, and it is entitled The Fullness of the Priesthood. So, just a couple um, thoughts before we really get into this podcast. There are are a lot of you out there who are listening to this who are just waking up to the fact that there's more um that there's more i mean we listened to president nelson's talk and we're going to talk a lot about that today in today's podcast um trying to understand what the priesthood looks like for the sisters and even what it's called um so for purpose of this podcast we're going to refer to it as the matriarchal priesthood and then the brother's side as patriarchal priesthood, just so that it's very clear what we're talking about. Um, now, just recently, I used I had the opinion that they were kind of separate, two different priesthoods. Um, but the Lord's helping me to better understand that they're actually a a one priesthood with different offices and different purposes. So. Um, I just want to state right up front that there's a lot of different thoughts and opinions and feelings of what this looks like. And these are Tyson and I's thoughts, feelings, and opinions on the topic. So anything that we say in this podcast, we would direct you back to the Lord um, immediately to receive your own witness of whether it's truth for you or not. Um, We don't claim to know anything better than anybody else this is just as we've come to understand it through through our own experience through the mentoring process and through what our heavenly parents are teaching us directly yep any thoughts to add to that (laughs) um no i mean i guess yes um we're going to use some quotes from prophets and apostles um it's interesting that there's there is not a ton of uh, scripture, um, some, um, regarding the divine feminine, which is the missing piece right, of the priesthood. And so I would just, yeah, I would just add my testimony that uh, just like always, you got to use the spirit. <clears throat> Greg and I are information presenters. Uh, we, <laughs> I just said this morning, I was reading an Elder Oaks talk who said, as close as he can figure, uh, only 5% of what he's learned in his time, basically in the church has turned out to be a hundred percent and pure truth. Um, and I find that interesting because he's, you know, and, and I may have misquoted him. I will go back and find that quote if I need to, to, to clarify. But basically the point is, is that like Greg said, absolutes with the Lord in the way that we interpret things are, are not, the Lord's way. You know what I mean? He doesn't he teaches us each individually according to our needs, right. and how we can understand it and what we're ready to receive of it. Exactly. So yep. a truth that could be completely true for you could not be the same truth for me, depending on the level that we're progressing at. Exactly. And go back in your journey, right? And look at things you've discarded along the ways, the way. I mean, one of the things that we took on in the very beginning of the podcast that I felt strongly I needed to beat the drum on. And it was because it was such a fresh discovery for me and had, had helped me to heal so much was the notion 
of grace and understanding how grace works and understanding the empowering elements of grace and understanding that we're not earning our salvation, right? Like, and it's interesting because that's been discarded so long ago, I haven't stopped to think about it. But as I look back, I'm like, man, that was such a damaging belief in some ways and yet was necessary for me to, you know, to, to progress. And then I got to a point where I'm like, okay, I don't need the I'm earning salvation idea anymore because it's not true. We're qualifying to have the spirit in our lives and qualifying for grace by things that we do outwardly. Um, we're, I guess we're qualifying to know that grace is there. That's probably a better way to say it, right? But we're not actually earning anything. Um, it's all paid for already. So just, and having changed that paradigm in my mind has led me to these other truths. And so we have, we have to start somewhere and the Lord will allow us to have truth. And then we intermingle that with our own philosophy. And then down the road somewhere, he goes, Hey, remember that thing that I let you believe because of the program of agency, let's pull that away and see what things look like. And as we pull it away, we're like, Oh, a new Vista opens up right? Where there was a wall before we see that there's a door or whether there, where there was a, maybe a, a wall of trees, we realize that there's actually a trail that's kind of concealed behind one of the trees. And as we step onto that trail, we take that trail a short distance and a whole new Vista opens, you know? So it's like the slang, you know, the demons of limiting belief. We just, it's progressive. We grow into further understanding of truth and light. And that is where President Nelson is taking us, which brings us to the topic for today. Um, he wants us to, he wants the sisters first and foremost to start grappling with what their priesthood looks like. And, um, and he was very clear about that in this last conference. Yeah. And we're going to go through and read a bunch of his quotes out of that talk. If we have time, we got a lot of information to cover. <laughs> In 60 so minutes. Basically, that's Craig's really polite way of being like, hey, don't be long-winded. <laughs> oh. Keep it short, buddy. <laughs> yeah, keep it. Hey, kiss, buddy. All right. Keep it simple, silly. <laughs> okay. So fullness of the priesthood. What does that even mean? Um, patriarchal priesthood would be another way that we could talk about fullness of the priesthood. Um, patriarchal, I looked it up, and it literally means men governing. Um, and so... I hesitate to use the patriarchal priesthood, even though as you read the oath and covenant of the priesthood, that's how it's referred to. I believe patriarchal priesthood and fullness of the priesthood would be interchangeable terms. It is the law that governs the higher order of things. So we are transitioning out of a celestial earth into a terrestrial earth where the patriarchal, patriarchal order or the fullness of the priesthood will operate. And what that means is as a patriarch to my home, I will be the prophet for my home. I will be the bishop and the stake president and all of those things for my family line. And that's how it operates in the patriarchal order. And then I am held accountable directly to the king of kings. Um, so if you go back and think about your temple blessings, it really helps to make that connection. <clears throat> Bruce R. McConkie said, in setting forth as much as I can with propriety, by by speaking outside of the temple, the Lord says the fullness of the priesthood is received only in the temple itself. This fullness is received through washings, anointings, solemn assemblies, oracles in holy places, conversations, ordinances, 
endowments and ceilings. That's pretty, that is, you know what? That's the first time I've ever heard that. And that is a very clear, very encompassing list of where you can find the fullness elements of the fullness of the priesthood. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So again, um, this is president McConkie. The fullness of the priesthood is associated with the blessings of the temple wherein men and women receive the fullness by becoming kings and queens, priests and priestesses. And this is Joseph Smith. The holding of the fullness of the Melchizedek priesthood, those holding the fullness of the Melchizedek priesthood are kings and queens, priests and priestesses of the Most High God, holding the keys and power and blessings in fact, that priesthood is a perfect law and theocracy and stands as God to give laws to the people, administering endless lives to the sons and daughters of Adam. That's pretty intense. There's a lot of information in that quote. That's too long to tattoo. <laughs> and I don't understand it well enough to even, like, <laughs> I've got to go back and read that probably a hundred times myself to exactly see what what he's saying yeah and we're not going to hit on a lot of that stuff but those are future podcast information there last quote by president mcconkey until through the fullness of the ordinances of the temple they receive a fullness of the priesthood and ordain and are ordained kings and queens priests and priestesses okay so fullness of the priesthood is the culmination of all of the blessings of the temple so a lot of times we go to the temple and we say we go as a 19-year-old kid getting ready to go on our mission, and we get told we received our endowment. <laughs> so I think it's really important to just clarify, just like President Bednar just did with the receiving of the Holy Ghost, that is a priesthood injunction to go out and seek after that thing. Yeah, and Elder Bednar's given some really, really good talks over time about <clears throat> how that's a choice. I stood in a circle with a group of brethren this weekend, um, and one of my nephews was baptized and he was receiving the gift of the Holy ghost. And it is every time I hear that now, I understand that is a choice. Uh, that isn't something that's automatically received. And it's just like any of the knowledge that we receive. It's just like priesthood power, right? It is a choice. You have to choose it. So just by checking the box of being baptized and receiving the Holy ghost doesn't mean that I mean, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you've actually received the Holy Ghost. It doesn't mean that just because you have the priesthood, meaning it doesn't mean that you've received the fullness of the priesthood. Uh, it just means that you've been ordained to an office or you've been, you've had hands laid on your head to give you a gift or an ordination from heaven. It's not. Well, it, gets, it puts you into the gate. It gives you the ability to receive that if you so desire by your agency. Yeah. Same thing with the temple. You go into the temple, the first thing that happens is you get your initiatory. You're initiated to become a king, a queen, a priest, or a priestess. And then you start the process. There's laws and covenants that you make. You cannot progress through the temple until you accept each ordinance in their order and each covenant in their order. So there's four covenants that you make. And just so any of you who just started squirming a little bit, President Bednar said that we could talk about anything in the temple except for the signs and tokens. They are sacred, not secret. And we 
just so you understand completely as I talk about some different things in the temple, I hold the utmost reverence and respect for these. But it is so important that we understand that the temple endowment is the it's the allegory, it's the lesson, it's the manual on how to re- actually receive your endowment of power, which is the fullness of the priesthood. Right, and and that goes back to, I, I've mentioned it before, but Isaiah is super graphic in his language describing us in the latter days. And he was describing scenarios playing out in his time and framing those also in the context of what would take place in our day. And he compared us entering the temple as dumb animals who have no dumb idea. sacrifice. Yeah, dumb sacrifice, right? We're dumb animals having no idea why we're there, right? We're just like, oh, I'm just an ox coming to the temple, right? I mean, me being a big dumb ox is probably a pretty good comparison, <laughs> right? Well, we just wander in and we go through the temple and, and Elder Maxwell hit the nail on the head when he said, too many of our members pass through our temples without allowing our temples to pass through them, right? Yeah. And that is the truth, I mean, Greg works in the temple, and it is challenging for me to go in there. I'm very, very receptive to chaos. Um, I can feel it on people. I can sense it on people, partially because I've been in some places where there's a lot of chaos. And so that curse in my life has become a blessing, but it's also still a curse because I can feel it. And brothers and sisters, there's really, honestly, a lot of times for me, no difference between attending sacrament meeting or attending the temple because I feel the chaos of the people that are there. And when we go there, thankfully the Lord allows a shield to be placed over me so that I can actually have the experiences I need to have in the temple. But the reason I bring that up is because most of us are showing up to the temple, not even understanding why we're there and what it's about. We think we're there saving the dead and that is an important part of it. But the most important part of it is that the temple endowment is for us now in this life, not someday when we get to heaven, these things are going to make sense, right? It's now. Yeah. That is a huge trap that I think we, a tradition that we've got caught up in, which is that we're going to the temple only after we'd go the first time for us, every time thereafter, we're only going there for, to redeem the dead. That is an amazing system that the Lord set up for us to be able to have an opportunity to redeem the dead. But the main purpose is for us to receive an endowment of power. And if that means we got to go back a hundred times till we get it figured out doing work for the dead, which please don't think that we're undermining in any way, shape or form that work. It is, it is absolutely critical and part of the gathering of Israel But the first and foremost is for us to learn how ourselves to go through that temple allegory from initiatory to sealing and learn how to become kings and queens, priests and priestesses to receive a fullness of power, which is what our prophet is directing us to look for right now. Right. And and the, the prophet even said, go to the temple. The Lord loves to teach his people in his temple. That's right. Right. So... He's not he's not saying, go to the temple and here you go, be guilted into going to the temple to do your ancestors' temple work. That is, that, honestly, brothers and sisters, I'm going to be pretty assertive and say that's a byproduct, right? Like if you don't have, you haven't received your own endowment, then that's the primary function of why the Lord wants you in the temple. Then once you've received it, you can truly understand the gift that you're giving to people on the other side of the veil. Yeah. 
So he wants you to receive your gift first. It's like the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you go your whole life and think, yeah, I got the Holy Ghost, sometimes he tells me to slow down and then a deer runs across the road, right? Or sometimes the Holy Ghost tells me to talk to my son and then I realize he's having a hard time. Like, that's great, right? But, but the real purpose of having the Holy Ghost is to lead you to salvation, yeah, right? And exaltation. First. Yeah. First, right? Yeah. And to qualify for that in this life. We don't get started on calling an election and second comforter and all that stuff today. But just understand all of those things are intertwined in all of this. That's right. So this is an interesting quote by Joseph Smith. He said, although David was a king, he never did obtain the spirit and power of Elijah and the fullness of the priesthood. And the priesthood that he received and thrown in kingdom of David is to be taken from him and given to another David in the last days raised up out of his lineage. So here's King David, who was one of the greatest to walk the earth, who the who Joseph Smith just said never received the fullness of his priesthood. We all know what happened to him and the mistake that he made in his progression, and it was taken from him. It's so easy to get caught up and think, okay, I've been through the temple. I got my endowment. I promise you there is so much more available. So the temple takes us through this perfect allegory of what we need to do. We start with the law of sacrifice. Think about it. An individual who's coming out of Babylon, non-believer, in order for him to start believing in God is going to have to give some stuff up. Drugs, sex, alcohol. I don't care what it is that they're locked down in. In order to make that first step, it's the law of sacrifice. And with the law of sacrifice comes the law of box checking or the law of obedience. <laughs> now, that law is perfectly designed, right? It's a starting point. It gives people something to start with. So read your scriptures, say your prayers, repent. All of those things are awesome, amazing, and perfectly good and should be done. It's when it becomes a routine and a habit that it becomes a problem. It's that's when you set yourself up to be like the Pharisees and Sadducees of old, right? Who, who John was primed. John was ordained at the age of eight, according to the doctrine and covenants to come forth as a, as a prophet and tear down the kingdom of the Jews. That's how important it was. The Lord takes a baby and is like, Hey, eight years old, you're going to come forth someday and tear down the kingdom of the Jews. What kingdom was he tearing down? He was tearing down the tradition that, the law of obedience was it. He was tearing down the tradition and culture of let's see how insane we can make this box checking. And then as the Sadducees and Pharisees control the people by telling them who's qualified and who isn't based on what they can or can't do in obedience. Yeah. And the Lord came to fulfill that law, right? He came to say enough of sacrifice and obedience. I get it. It's also symbolic that in a sustained act of violence where he built his own whip, he went and cleansed the temple, right? And kicked out all the people, the money changers who were selling sacrifices, right? And, and then in that process shows us that the law of sacrifice is still needed. And so is the law of obedience, but they aren't it, right? He came to fulfill those laws and say, it's time to move on into chastity and consecration, right? Well, into the law of the gospel and then chastity and consecration. He was setting us up to see that there's way more than just the first two laws, which is where the Jews were stuck in the meridian of time. That's right. And where a large number of 
Latter-day Saints are stuck. Yep. Which is why when somebody does something outside of the box, a lot of people freak out, right? Like, well, that's not how we normally do it, right? Well, show me where it says we can't do that. So I'm going to give you an example of that. I didn't think I was going to share this today, but I am. So <laughs> I knew we were going to go here as soon as I said what I just said. I was like, oh, boy, here we go. I am not. I'm not telling this to ruffle feathers, but this is really important. And obviously it happened the way it did so that it could be on this podcast. Like the Lord is just letting me know that right now. So um, a couple of weeks ago, I was asked to teach elders quorum in our ward. And um, te- I taught Elder Bedner's talk on um, the cheetah talk. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> the two oh, cheetahs. Yeah. <laughs> so that morning, as we got ready for church, some of our boys were sick and struggling. And so we ended up late where to where we knew we were going to miss the sacrament. And, um, as I was pondering on what we should do, the spirit directed me to have a sacrament meeting with my family in the house, um, and then get to elders quorum. So, um, I just want to state here that that was direct revelation to me as the priesthood leader of that home. And I would not deny that that was directly from the Lord under any circumstance. It was no question in my mind. And it was not perfect. My sons were not dressed in white shirts and ties. Um, But I can tell you this. One of my sons blessed. I got to do one of the blessings. The sacrament was given to everybody in the room. And the spirit was so strong, we were all emotionally moved. And I just can still picture in my mind looking around that room at my children and my wife. And the spirit was so powerful. Um, I knew that the Lord had ratified that ordinance for us. And then I was able to actually teach my elders quorum lesson as the talk. And we just had a a really special, awesome experience. And then we were off to elders quorum. So I get to elders quorum and (coughs) right before I stand up to teach my lesson, the Lord tells me to share that experience with the elders quorum. Now I am fully aware. I've been in bishoprics. I understand that in the red handbook, it states that we should have permission or direction from the bishop to give the sacrament to those who are sick. So anytime it's outside of church, the Lord tells me to share that. And I was like, Lord, this is going to ruffle some feathers if I say this right now to, to this group of brethren. And then you said it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he directed me to share the story. He directed me to share the story. I didn't do it to cause problems, but um, long story short, there were some feathers ruffled and it got back to the bishopric and, and um, they asked me not to do that again. Now, we have an interesting place that we're at right now. The letter of the law said that I shouldn't have done that. The Lord directly told me to do that. The fruit of it was the most beautiful spiritual experience I've had with my family for a long time. So the fruit was good. Mm-hmm. You could, I guess you could argue that and say a ruffled feather. So that's bad fruit. Right. But I can tell you, as I 
told that story in Elders Quorum, there were people who were moved and felt the spirit of it. We are getting to a point where we're going to have to decide whether we follow the Lord and the personal revelation that we're receiving, which our prophet is directing us to do, or whether we're going to adhere to this letter of the law. Now, I went back and read that in the Red Handbook, and it doesn't say anything very directly and clearly of how that's supposed to go. So you could interpret that multiple ways. What I'm trying to get at is it doesn't matter what the interpretation of that is. The Lord told me to do something. I did it. The fruit was amazing. Well, and the reality is too, Greg, and this goes without saying, but at the same time, it's important to say it. You have the priesthood authority to do that within your home. And I sat with a very important leader to me recently and looked across the table at him and very directly, but very reverently and lovingly said, your priesthood authority ends at my door, right? So, and I, I think that people need to understand and feel that. I'm not acting outside of my home, right, in ways with my priesthood that I shouldn't according to the handbook. Right. But the prophet would stand on the carpet and say that any priesthood leaders outside of the home, their priesthood authority ends at the threshold of, of our door. If we're operating within the framework of what the Lord allows us to operate in. And you have the authority to, I grew up, we used to all the time have sacrament meeting when we were camping with my grandparents, right? I didn't know that wasn't a thing, right? So I testify in, in the name of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, that that's a tradition, right? <clears throat> and we should the only reason I think and one of the reasons that I got put in there is to caution people because we don't want to replace the Lord's church with going to church and the purpose of sacrament meetings, etc. So to me, the spirit of the law was we need to put this in here so that people don't just say, well, why do we even need the church? Right? Because we do need the church. Well, it's also in there, and I agree with this wholeheartedly, as the young men's president for three years, when somebody brought somebody to me and said, hey, this person needs a sacrament, I immediately checked in with the bishop for permission to deliver that sacrament. Right. And that's 100% appropriate. That was not my stewardship to give the sacrament outside of my household. No. Within my household, that's a different story. See, and that's a perfect articulation of what I was trying to get at, is, is you're acting within the stewardship in your home with your priesthood, with your wife in the fullness of your together priesthood, I'm sure your wife ratified, right? Cody ratified that, that that's what we should do. Right. Yep. And she felt the spirit of that. So that's the right thing for you to do within your home. And someone could argue, well, maybe you shouldn't share that. And at the same time, then you're stepping on Greg's ability to receive revelation because he received revelation that he should share that. And that there were brethren in that room who were blessed by him sharing what he experienced. That's right. So, Hundred percent. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> well, it's important that we go down that road, though. It is good. So let's just jump through the the temple allegory here, really quick. So law of obedience transitions to a higher law, where the law of the gospel, where we start to become selfless. So guy asks you to walk a mile, go to give takes your coat, give me your cloak. This is where you start to transition from a selfish being to a to an unselfish being. Yeah. And then as that law is learned and governed, you get up out of the telestial world and you move into the terrestrial world. Yeah. A complete transition. See, the terrestrial world is all about consecration and living a whole life. 
the law of sacrifice is not necessarily part of the terrestrial world because in that world you are all one with Christ and everybody's taking care of everybody because we want to right because we love each other because the fullness of charity has been established established within our hearts and that's what allows us to move away from the darkness to a place of greater light where the terrestrial earth will reside which then blocks Lucifer and his minions from from being there. But that can't happen until we personally transition and receive a fullness of charity within our own hearts. Once that's happened, you transition out of the terrestrial room into the celestial room, passing through the veil and all that that entails. We're not going to get into that today. And then, in most temples, you'll notice that you step up again into a, into a ceiling room. Yep. The ceiling room being that last culminating final ordinance. Um, and there, as you're sealed to your husband or wife, you receive the opportunity to receive a fullness of the priesthood. So the fullness of the priesthood is only when patriarchal and matriarchal priesthood are combined. It's masculine and feminine combined. Um, one cannot be without the other. They have to be together, and it has to be ratified by the Holy Spirit of promise, which means both parties have to agree to live the celestial order or the celestial laws that govern that priesthood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those... All of the blessings and all of the um, everything that comes with that are only available once you once that's ratified by the Holy Spirit of Promise. Right. So a lot of people are worried about being stuck with an unrighteous person. President Oaks pretty much cleared that up in his talk. That how it works on the other side is very different than how we consider it. Um, and that ceiling, that celestial ceiling, only happens as the two parties unite in a celestial order. Yep, and then sealed by the whole, yeah, sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, which you you just mentioned. Yep, for sure. <clears throat> I think it's interesting too that, just like Elder Oak said, we tell ourselves all these stories about what things look like, right? Because we're trying in our finite minds that are tethered to the to particular, you know, that we have that we're experiencing the tether and the pang of the particular, as Elder Maxwell would say, right? We're we're stuck in this celestial world and we're trying to make sense with a celestial consciousness of things that are so far beyond the celestial consciousness that we're actually approaching that equation in reverse. Our spirit is infinitely knowledgeable more knowledgeable than our than our bodies or our physical minds are educated still attached right if our if we're, if we're where we need to be we can connect with our own spirit in such a way that we can connect with the network of truth of all truth and then that kind of expansiveness l tom perry talked about this at one in one talk he gave in in the 90s used talking about using essentially what is we think of as our imagination when we're younger to to really see things as they are and for how long right have we not talked about heavenly mother and heavenly parents right because 
of all these traditions and reasons we told ourselves when in reality, um, some of that was true, not all of it. And the reality is, is that now I know the reason that we haven't is because, uh, well, I don't know what, this isn't a hard fact, but a reason that I feel, um, that I've discerned that we haven't talked about the fullness of the priesthood and, and, and uh, infused enough heavenly mother enough into the equation is that we weren't ready. And I think that there's enough people now that are ready for that. And we've watched it. We've watched sisters really grapple with, why don't we have priesthood ordinations? Why don't we have, and, and I love how President Nelson and President Oaks are, and President Eyring are all taking that on head on as it comes. Like, you don't need an ordination. You walk into the temple, you carry your priesthood from birth, you know? So that, that's a perfect segue into, into President Nelson's talk. So um, interesting that the veils have been lifted. At the temple. <laughs> yeah. Whether I should have said that or not. You just did. I just did. <laughs> and and just so you know, in case you didn't know, I don't know how to edit these things, so we don't edit them. <laughs> you just get whatever we say. <laughs> you do that or we start over, so which we're not doing. Yeah, we're not starting over 30 minutes into this. So in the early days of the church, Joseph Smith, he was the prophet of the restoration, meaning his job was to restore all things to the earth. In the early days of the church, he was restoring matriarchal priesthood. Um, and there's a lot of examples of that. Uh, interesting that just the month before he gave this talk in conference, in the New Saints, Volume 2, Chapter 3, there's an example in there of three sisters anointing and blessing another sister. <sighs> Greg. Not Greg. That's in church history. Church history, and it's stuff that they just put out this year a few months ago. Mm -hmm. That's not me saying that. There is a reason why that was put in that book, that specific story, right before the prophet gives this talk. Right. And then the very first thing he talks about in this talk, which is so interesting to me, he says... He says, I had two thoughts overpower me and come to me as I prepared. Um, I just murdered that. Let me read how he actually says it. <laughs> I had two overpowering thoughts come to me. One is about the prophet Joseph Smith, the prophet of this dispensation. My love and admiration for him grows with every passing day. And then his second thought was that he wanted you all to be his granddaughters. But... <laughs> um, why would he, why as he pondered this talk, is it Joseph Smith that comes to his mind? Well, it's because our prophet has now taken the role of the restoration prophet. Mm -hmm. He is now the one that's restoring. I believe, and this is my personal opinion, and I know I'm going to catch flack for this, but in the early days of the church, in the prevailing thoughts and mindset of the men of that day, woman was less than man. Yes. And, well, and, and we've—it's clear in some of the language even used in their day because of the culture that brethren were what we would call sexist today. Mm -hmm. I mean, general authorities. So I'm not saying anything that isn't in history that hasn't been ratified, even apologetically, by church leaders in writing to say they were wrong. 
yeah. right? Which is why Elder Oaks, just in this last conference, went through a whole thing to say, you need to understand that sometimes general authorities speak as men, yeah. and sometimes they are wrong, right? So here's how you can know, assuredly, that what they're saying is true. You need more than one witness of just one prophet saying it. You need multiple, including scripture, and then personal revelation. So, yep. Just like Moses' people toiled the mountain and were supposed to go up and see the face of the Lord themselves and they chose not to, it's my personal belief that the brethren of that day were not ready to receive the matriarchal priesthood and so the Lord veiled his daughters for a time. And the sisters. And I'm not, this is not a, you know, because they they had their own struggle to deal with. But I will say it's the same thing, Greg, because some of the flack that you and I take for saying the things that we say is coming as quick and as heavy from sisters as it is from brothers. It's true. Because I don't understand. I guess I do understand it. It's the fear, right? It's the fear of who we truly are, right? Of doing the two things that President Nelson said. Who are you? What's your mission? Right? That's the biggest thing you should be doing right now. It's a lot of responsibility that's being added right now. Right. Because we're moving back into the fullness of the priesthood, which is what order? It's patriarchal. Patriarchal order, right? Mother and father presiding equally. Brothers and sisters, I've, I just have to share this. I think, I don't think I've shared this before. I sat six feet away from Elder Holland as he stood in a state conference and spoke. And that man speaks with power. And I have it written down precisely what he said, but he was talking about this very same thing, about getting our mindset out of being stuck in tradition and culturalism and get into the kingdom of God. Right. And then he said, he's gripping the pulpit so tightly. I thought it was going to splinter and explode. Like I'm looking at his hands, then back at his face, back at his hands, back at his face. And he says, brothers and sisters, I testify to you in the name of Jesus Christ that beyond this life, there are no stakes, wards, branches, or even twigs. The, the Lord's program of the priesthood is families. Right. And he didn't say is brethren leading their homes in righteousness and their wives are subservient and do whatever Mm -hmm. they're told. No, he said families. Right. Yep. Which denotes at a minimum, a husband and wife making decisions in righteousness. Counseling with each other. Right. As, as easers to one another, helpers, right. Help meets. President Nelson, again, several months ago at the end of a temple endowment session, I said to my wife, Wendy, I hope the sisters understand the spiritual treasures that are theirs in the temple. Um, All of this time, the same priesthood blessings that brethren receive in the temples, the higher priesthood has been offered to the sisters to receive as well. He then gave counsel to Emma that she... Um, or quoted the counsel given to Emma that she lay aside some of the things of the world to seek for things of a better. That, brothers and sisters, goes for both of us. The Lord right now is asking us to lay aside the things of this world and seek for that of a better. It's the terrestrial world. We're getting ready for it right now. Prophets begging us to lay aside the things of this world, which includes the traditions that are holding us down and stepping into this greater... um, higher order the restoration of the priesthood along with the lord's counsel to emma can guide us and bless each of you 
how I yearn for you to understand that the restoration of the priesthood is just as relevant to you as a woman as to any man. Because the Melchizedek priesthood has been been restored, both covenant-keeping women and men have access to all the spiritual blessings of the church, or, we might say, to all the spiritual treasures the Lord has for his children. Every woman and every man who makes covenants with God and keeps those covenants and who participates worthily in priesthood ordinances has direct access to the power of God. Direct access to the power of God. Those who are endowed in the house of the Lord receive a gift of God's priesthood power by virtue of their covenant, along with a gift and knowledge of how they can draw upon that power. Okay, so... You go there, you receive the endowment, you receive the ordinance, but then it's through the virtue of your covenant that's attached to the power you're seeking that you're given the knowledge of how to draw upon that power. So this is a process. This is not a go there and event and boom. You're a king and a priest and a right. queen and a priestess. Oh, my goodness. Let's pause there for just a second. It makes me laugh, right, that we, I, I subscribed to it for a long time, that we ever thought that becoming like Heavenly Father was a one and done, right? Like, oh, yeah, easy shot, right? I can just follow this nice little recipe here, and by the time we're done baking me, I'm going to be this beautiful celestial cookie, right? No, <laughs> like, this is not how this works, <laughs> right? This is not baking class, right? Like, this is a process of experience and a process of growing and learning and desiring. And if you only want the law of obedience and sacrifice, that's okay. Like you can probably come close if you get to the top of the law of obedience to qualifying for the bottom tier of a terrestrial existence. Right. You know, like maybe, maybe, right. Like you can get close, maybe close enough to reach out and grab enough of the law of the gospel that you get pulled into the terrestrial world. Right. Like, you know, maybe you have enough of a desire to share that with other people that you get pulled to, but that's it. Like, I hope we hear that. If you stop there, that's where you stall out. That's where you're done. Right. Your airplane just ran out of gas. Yep. Yeah. There is so much that we don't understand yet. We're, we're kind of running out of time, so I'm going to skip some of the stuff we're going to read. Um, well, let me just read one more quote from President Nelson. The heavens are just as open to women who are endowed with God's power, flowing from their priesthood covenants as they are to men who bear the priesthood. I pray that this truth will register upon each of your hearts I believe it will change your life. Sisters, you have the right to draw liberally upon the Savior's power to help your family and others you love. Okay, so the very next part, he says, that sounds wonderful, but how do I do it? (laughs) Right. So before the how, I think the what is important. So when we talk about patriarchal and matriarchal priesthood, we know that there was the ordained women movement, and their greatest desire was to take over the administration affairs of the priesthood. Um, Now, I believe that the different orders of matriarchal and patriarchal also have different responsibilities, roles and responsibilities. So let's just go through those really quick. The brethren are charged with the administration of the church. 
of administering the patriarchal or the saving ordinances. The sisters, you have a very unique role. Interesting when you go to the temple for the first time, the brethren have to be ordained to the priesthood to get into the temple. You do not. I believe that's because you come with your priesthood authority. Mm -hmm. One of the main roles of the matriarchal priesthood is the power of creation and giving birth. You bring us through the veil into this celestial world. But in order to get out of this world, a saving ordinance has to be administered. That saving ordinance is provided by the patriarchal priesthood. You bring us in, we take you out. One cannot be without the other. We don't get here without matriarchal priesthood, and you don't leave without patriarchal priesthood. Yep. And it's time to stop hitting one against the other. You know, that is such a big piece of things. That's just Greg and I were talking about that right before the podcast. You can't have one without the other, not in the fullness. Yep. Right. And if, and if they're adversarial toward one another, nobody has power. That's right. Right. So another piece that you learn in the temple, take husbands, take your wives, wives, take your husband, go do initiatories together and then compare notes. Go to the, go to the celestial room after a lot of people don't even know that after you do any ordinance in the temple, you can go into the celestial room. Yep. Go talk about it. So go sit in the celestial room and talk about all of it right together. That's right. And, and compare notes and, and feelings and, and verbiage. In the initiatory blessing, we learn that one of the roles of the patriarchal priesthood is justice, to deliver justice. And one of the roles of the matriarchal priesthood is to deliver mercy. Two different roles, justice and mercy, that are talked about in those blessings in the temple. But complementary. Yes, absolutely complement. Complum. That word. Complimentary. That word. Complimentary. We're going to have a little bit of a enunciation and pronunciation course after we're all done today. One of the one of the roles of a patriarch is delivering. One of the roles of a matriarch is nurturing. Patriarch delivers. Matriarch nurtures. These roles are so complementary to each other, right? They go hand in hand. They together combined, they create power that is exponential. Um, all of the higher ordinances, like was like Joseph Smith's quote about David not receiving those of Elijah, those higher powers that keep getting talked about by different brethren. Um, the, power, the power to control elements, the power to do all of these great things are part of the fullness of the priesthood and are operated in by a patriarch and a matriarch together, becoming a king and a queen and a priest and a priestess. Um, there's a lot of other parts and pieces to those two priesthoods that we can't talk about on a podcast because they're too sacred you know, for general audience, but I just wanted to kind of whet your appetite and get your brain thinking and moving down that path that that they are separate, but one in the same. Mm -hmm. There's different duties and responsibilities between those two priesthoods, and they complement each other perfectly. The One of the roles of the sisters is healing. 
That's why in the Saints book, those sisters were healing. That's part of what you're here for. Who heals better than a mother with her perfect love? Nobody. Um, so how do you operate in your priesthood? Right? How do we operate in a fullness of the priesthood? What does that look like? Well, I love our prophet because he just made it very, very clear. You will not find how to do this written in a manual. <laughs> it's not in the red handbook, kids. It's not there. And it, please, I hope it never will be. Like, I hope I can be prophetic in saying that it never will be, right? <laughs> because, well, genuinely, at least at the beginning, the, the Lord through his prophet is saying, it's already in you, sisters. Why do you need a manual? I sat across again. I, I just, this bears, you know, repeating that I sat across from a sister who was upset about all the ways that sisters have been slighted through the history of the church. I mean, she's really lamenting that. And finally I just looked at her and I'm like, okay, I got it. Like, you're right. Absolutely. In a lot of ways, the sisters have been slighted, shelved, you know, even the prophet apologized for that. I'm sorry if you've ever felt that way. It is not the Lord's will. And he was pretty, I haven't heard the prophet, President Nelson, raise his voice in what appears to be contempt. But that was pretty, the voice that he had was very righteous, righteously indignant when he said he apologized to the sisters if they've ever felt sidelined or shelved yeah, or whatever. That was in this. Yeah, it was in that talk. This talk. This is what he said exactly, just so this is an exact quote and no one can argue with it. That's right. You won't find this process spelled out in any manual. The Holy Ghost will be your personal tutor as you seek to understand what the Lord would have you know and do. You're not just supposed to know that you have priesthood. You're supposed to learn what to do with it. This process is neither quick nor easy, but it is spiritually invigorating. What could possibly be more exciting than to labor with the Spirit to understand, God, understand God's priesthood power? Then he says, Your personal spiritual endeavor will bring you joy as you gain understanding and use the power which you have been endowed. Yep. So, yeah, this conversation with his sister, right? I'm like looking at her and finally I'm like, hey. I get it. You're right. But your prophet in this last conference just handed you your license and said, go driving. Try it on for size, right? He's like, hey, put that thing on two wheels, right? Like, do whatever you need to do. Use your priesthood the way you're supposed to based on the Holy Ghost, right? Based on your guidance from heaven, do what you're supposed to do. And brethren, if you're standing in the way of your wife operating the way she needs to and have put her down for years about all her crazy ideas, you're wrong. You're flat wrong. And the prophet just called you out in conference and said he's sorry that sisters have ever felt sidelined or slighted or misjudged or whatever. My but, wife calls this the Lord's feminist movement, and this is the Lord's way, right? Priesthood ordinations are not going to happen by the laying on of hands for sisters because you already have it. Stop looking for it somewhere else. Stop feeling sorry for yourself that you've been beat down all these years and stand up. That's what the prophet just told you. And Greg and I are your biggest proponents because we're like, yeah, 
stand up, right? Because brethren who are actually trying are tired, right? Because, you know, it gets to the place where you've been pulling and, and to have help me, right? To have somebody else get yoked with you and get after this is so rewarding and so powerful. I know for a lot of us brethren, we've, we've been locked down the traditions, things we've been taught our whole lives. Rejoice in what's being offered right here. This is power that God is delivering to the earth to help us fight this battle. I love this part from the prophet. He says, part of this endeavor will, will require you to put aside many things of this world. Sometimes we speak almost casually about walking away from the world with its contention pervasive temptations and false philosophies those are traditions false philosophies but truly doing so requires you to examine your life meticulously and regularly as you do so the holy ghost will prompt you about what is no longer needful and what is no longer worthy of your time and attention as you shift your focus away from the worldly distractions some things that seemed important you will you will will recede in priority you will need to say no to some things even as even though they may seem harmless as you embark upon and continue this lifelong process of consecrating your life to the lord the changes in your perspective feelings and spiritual strength will amaze you and then i think this well first of all let's just hit on what he's saying here there are false traditions that we as a people have believed for so long. And part of that is that woman is somehow less than man. Um, Part of that is that only a Melchizedek male priesthood holder can operate in the priesthood. Part of that, uh, we could go on and on. Lots of philosophies that are out there that our prophet just gave us permission to set aside. He tore down a kingdom right there, right? He tore down a kingdom of the philosophies of men. He just kicked the door open on that thing and started whipping traditions and kicking over tables, right? <laughs> like, it was a sustained act of, of, <laughs> of focused violence on cleansing the inner temple of the church from false tradition about what sisters are A, here for, and B, capable of, and C, should be allowed to do and even encouraged to do that's right and then he goes into this part which is is critical i know we're getting i can't believe we're already to the end of this but it's good we maybe need to do like round two on this at some point (laughs) okay he says now a little word of warning there are those who would undermine your ability to call upon the power of god there are some who would have you doubt yourself and minimize your stellar capacity as righteous women most certainly, the adversary does not want you to understand. Oh, sorry, my phone just went black on me. Uh, does not want you to understand the covenant you made at baptism or the profound endowment of knowledge and power that you received or will receive in the temple, the house of the Lord. And Satan certainly does not want you to understand that every time. Oh, this is really messing with me. Sorry, my phone's... Okay, that every time you worthily serve and worship in the temple, you leave armed with God's power and his angels having charge over you. Satan and his minions will continually contrive roadblocks and prevent you from understanding the spiritual gifts which you have been 
and can be blessed with. Okay. He told you to get ready for people who are going to try and tell you that what you're receiving from the Lord is wrong. But the prophet gave you full permission to be taught and receive that information from the Holy Ghost and to have courage to move forward and start to use your priesthood. The saints book gave an example of three sisters giving anointing and a healing blessing. I've heard of sisters healing their children. I've heard of sisters blessing their homes because they didn't have a Melchizedek priesthood there. I've heard of sister blessing a horse and bringing it back from the brink of death. <laughs> um, I don't remember which which sister it was on the trail that blessed uh, oxen, a yep. team of oxen, to stand up and keep walking. <gasps> She used her priest on animals, Greg. This is sacrilege. Uh, no, this is part of our history. And this is the spirit of the Lord is in it. Yep. So if you deny that, well, you're on shaky ground. Let me just say that. I don't know what operating the priesthood will look like for you. It's going to be different for each one of us as we move forward. But you need to be aware that your prophet gave you access and ability to do that. If a priesthood holder disagrees with you, I suggest that you walk into his office with President Nelson's talk and ask him to help you understand what he meant when he told you to go and do and under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay, so we're almost at the end here. I want to read a couple things really quick. This first one is from um, Talmadge. He says, In the glorified state of the blessed hereafter, husband and wife will administer in their respective stations seeing and understanding alike and cooperating in the full cooperating to the full in the government of their family kingdom then shall woman reign by divine right a queen in resp in the resplendent realm of her glorified state even as exalted man will stand priest and king unto the most high god Mortal eye cannot see nor mind comprehend the beauty, glory, and majesty of a righteous woman made perfect in the celestial kingdom of God. Um, I think one of the things that most women struggle with is their own value, their own self-worth. And you hear all of this information, you're like, that sounds amazing, but that's not me. I'm not worthy of that. I'm not ready for that. Right. Partially, in fact, I would say almost holistically because you've believed all the things you've been told your entire life, not only by those around you who have been listening to false spirits, but also by yourself and, um, yeah, just part of this iniquity of this world. Like, you need to understand who you are. So I just want to finish off this with this quote from President Uchtdorf, um, and this is powerful. So... Throughout this podcast, from General Conference, you have been receiving light. Truth has been given to you in 100% fullness, and you, know, you get to decide how much of it you want. Yeah. So the Lord said, you're my daughter, and you have full access to all of the power and authority that every man on this earth has, and more. And now you get to decide, yeah, Lord, I believe you, I'll take 100% of that, or that sounds really nice, I'll take 5% of that. <laughs> Right. Or I got to ask my husband first. <laughs> President Wuchtdorf said this. 
He that receiveth light, and continueth in God, keeping his commandments, receiveth more light, and that light groweth brighter and brighter until the perfect day. There is, however, some fine print that we need to be aware of. First, this light will come in God's time, not ours. Second, it will come in God's way, a way we may not expect or even want. Third, it comes as we believe. Some of you might say, in order to have greater belief in God, I have to believe. But that's exactly my problem. What if I can't believe? The answer is, then hope and desire to believe. That's enough to start. To desire to believe does not mean to pretend. It means you open your heart to the possibility, to the spiritual blessings, to lay aside skepticism and cynicism. If you can simply want to believe, then you can start the seed of faith growing in your heart. Eventually, that seed will grow until you can begin to believe. Those first glimpses of belief lead to faith, and your faith will grow stronger day by day until it shines bright within you. Then you will truly be able to ask in faith, nothing wavering. So we've talked about it over and over and over again in these podcasts. Everything is a process. So you receive truth. You're not expected to be a queen or a priest, a queen or a king, a priest or a priestess right now today. But that is exactly what you should be seeking for. And if, if you can't see yourself there yet, hope for it. Start to spiritually create it and hold on to that hope. And eventually that hope will grow into faith. And then that faith will grow brighter and brighter until you can, you can walk before the Lord as your whole self, see yourself as God sees you, and receive the fullness of power that he's offering right now. And it, like President Victor said, it might not come in the way you want it to or how you think it should. You have to be open to receive what the Lord is trying to give you. You know, I love that Greg said that. <clears throat> and this weekend I was prompted during, during sacrament as I was sitting there to read a couple of scriptures, but I'll just read my favorite. This is my favorite scripture of all time. This is Moroni 7.48. I'm going to ad lib and add sisters in here. I know that may be sacrilegious, but I'm going to do it. Okay. <laughs> Wherefore, my beloved brethren and sisters... Pray unto the Father with all the energy of heart that ye may be filled with this love, which he hath bestowed upon all who are true followers of his Son, Jesus Christ, that ye may become the sons and daughters of God, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, that we may have this hope that we may be purified even as he is pure. Amen. That's it. Like the fullness of the priesthood, accessing it as covenant couples whose, or he even, President Nelson talked about single sisters or brothers who have to draw on Heavenly Mother or the Savior or Father to to complete their priesthood. They have access to the fullness. There's nothing that you don't have access to, so drop the excuses. But the acting in the fullness of the priesthood Right, the fullness of our priesthood brings us to a place where we become purified, even as he is pure, so that when he appears, we shall be like him. That's not figurative language, brothers and sisters. Because when we arrive ultimately in the cosmos of what we would call the future in a telestial mindset, we will be exactly like him and like father and mother. 
will still be individuals, but we will be exactly perfect like they are. And that is the destiny where the fullness of the priesthood takes us. And I testify that that's true in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this is a freaking excited time, exciting time to be on the earth. This is the dispensation of the fullness of time. Our current prophet is finishing Joseph's work and restoring everything that we need so that what Tyson just read can happen. We have to be ready to receive our Lord in his fullness. In order to do that, we have to be willing to go there ourselves and prepare ourselves for him, prepare this earth for that. And that work is happening right now at an exponential rate. If you're confused and you're lost and you're not sure what to do, reach out. Let us help. Yeah, and probably what we're going to do is remind you to do what you've already been told, but we're willing to help you with that. <laughs> Sometimes you just need some outside eyes looking at your situation to help you understand exactly where to go and what to do. Or sometimes you need a cheerleader because, to be honest, sometimes it can be very, very hard to find a cheerleader in your own life that's going to help you feel safe enough to actually take that next step. No question. So, Gospel's true, brothers and sisters. We love you. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you. Thanks for your donations and love. We love you so much. And hoorah for Israel.